So Tim, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be asking a couple of questions, but before we get to the deeply spiritual questions, uh, can you just talk to us about Zoom bombing? I've heard you've had a, an experience of Zoom bombing. Um, it was a shocker. I mean, we've all had shockers, but this was a shocker. Of all tech fails, this was my worst. So early days of Zoom, in a very optimistic moment, I, I tweeted out a link to join me and my leadership team for prayer. So it was like 7.30 in the morning. And I was like, maybe someone will want to pray with us. We don't have like many followers on Twitter. So I was thinking if one person joins, it would be like revival. So <laughs> I that's something really innocent, like finding the news overwhelming. Why not join us in prayer? Click this link. And so I carried on doing different things. Like while I, I tweeted that, there's just one other guy on the call. He's like an older gentleman, an amazing man in our church who, who just figured out Zoom. So he was on the call like 25 minutes early just to make sure like he was ready. And then I could see like loads of people were joining the call because I hadn't done any of the security settings yet. It was like my first thing on Zoom. And <laughs> all of a sudden he said something like, Tim, there's something ghastly happening on the screen. <laughs> And I look up and honestly, I couldn't tell you. I honestly, to tell you what I saw would completely <laughs> repulse you. But what I can tell you for sure is that they were not there for prayer. They were <laughs> absolutely not there for prayer. So it just turns out there are like really strange people that sit on Twitter looking for links to click and, and do terrible things. Terrible. Yeah. So one of the things we're trying to do is ask some of our friends and family, people that we track with as a church, what are they sensing the Spirit's doing right now in terms of reading the times? What do you see happening in culture and where do you see God at work within it? Yeah, well, I think that probably this will be era-defining. And by that, I'm, I'm sort of talking about the way in which we think about and speak about the Second World War. So people always talk about, oh, this is, you know, the post since Second World War or, or this is a post-World War II era. And since then, we've probably had the Berlin War. I think it's definitely bigger than that. Um, and it's probably going to be as big as the Second World War. And partly because of technology, the global experience is so immediate. So everyone is experiencing this at the same time. So it will be a shared thing across the globe, probably for the decades to come. And I think sort of coupled with that kind of absolutely global defining moment i think economically everybody talks about recession which is, is likely to happen but at the same time the big tech companies are going to double down the, those that have deep enough pockets are going to for the first few years at least out of this have a, a scary amount of power over nations positively civil society will play a whole new role so what is there between the market and the state what is there between these big tech companies and the ever-increasing power of nations well we see it every Thursday at 8pm, the new state religion of the UK, when we go and clap the NHS and, and champion really values that are beyond the market and the, the state, beyond politics and business. And I think that kind of area of civil society uh, where people are looking to see what bonds us together um, is really where religion seems to be making a major comeback. And in the UK, that is particularly Christianity. Everyone kind of... Um, potentially thought Christianity has had its, its greatest days, but it seems to be that the greatest days are, are probably ahead. So just talk us through, Tim, this relationship between rest and Sabbath and this drive for justice and actually serving the most vulnerable in society right now. OK, so one of the things that seems to be happening is there's a conversation about is this a time of rest or not? 
So, so Christians particularly keep saying, oh, this is a time of Sabbath and this is a time to rest. And then all of those that have like a heart for justice are saying, no, like that's just a thing of privilege. Like, uh, look at what's happening around the world. Because people have been saying things like this virus uh, doesn't discriminate. And then all of those that are attuned to the heart of justice being like, of course it discriminates. It was a disease completely spread by the rich that the poor will suffer. So it was people's skiing holidays in Northern Italy in February half term that brought it back. It was cruise ships. Like this disease does discriminate. If you're in a small house, if you're in like difficult situations, your health is bad, you're elderly, it discriminates by the systems that we have against the weak. So what do you mean this is Sam's rest? The poor are suffering, the poor are having to work and are jobless. And here's the thing that, that sort of I think not many people are saying that's important to realise is that Sabbath was always about justice. Like the Sabbath yeah. principle in the Old Testament was that everybody gets to rest. See, the systems of the world are not the systems of the kingdom of God. And the Sabbath rest that God wants to bring is a justice and it is a rest. So it's not a choice either way. And then off the back of that, that's an incredible thought. Talk about just the, this opportunity for the church. I've heard you talk about church operating between the market and the state and actually transcending both. Talk about that opportunity for us right now. I think the opportunity is, is definitely to dream with the kingdom. Um, courage and imagination seem key. Like we have to imagine with the kingdom of God. So that is to look at the world, look at all the opportunity and all the disruption and dream kingdom thoughts, which means that we have to have courage to lay down our structures because the church yeah. of the next phase, the church of tomorrow will not look like the church before. So we can't like just hamper down and kind of take hold of our own, own structures and kind of manipulate them to work in this next season. So I think the opportunity in front of us is, is to look so clearly at the kingdom of God that we start to see how it is the, the world is going to reveal the kingdom of God and then reimagine the structure. So that's going to take incredible courage and imagination. I think what it will feel like is like um, in D-Day, uh, you know, in that film Saving Private Ryan, they get into the boat and all the soldiers are so scared. And think, in fact, I think there's like a soldier who pees himself on the boat. <laughs> and then they know when they hit the beach, that's when terror is going to happen. I think what it's like for us is like we're in the boat, we're heading towards the beach, but there is no beach. Like no one's going to hand us the end point. No one's going to give us solid ground and be like, this is what you need to fight for. This is what you need to do. I think the rules are yet to be determined. So the challenge for the church is to so dream with the imagination of the kingdom and so act with courage and a freedom of, around our structures and systems that actually we create the beach, we create the fight for the world. I love, you know, Paul talking about God takes the foolish things to shame the wise, the weak things to shame the strong. And in many ways, the church has found itself, at least in the UK, in a moment of real weakness. And yet this could be the moment where actually, you know, a fresh wave of the spirit hits the church, enabling us to do some of that hopeful rebuilding and reimagining of what society, what culture looks like in the UK. I think that's right. And I think one of the things that's powerful that's happening is that we're re, um, I guess, connecting with some of our origin story. So I've been reading a yep. lot about, again, the sort of story of Christianity at the beginning. And of course, that all happened under the Roman Empire. And in one sense, this virus feels like we're under an empire that doesn't bless us, but opposes us. But it was in those environments and those limitations that Christianity grew. And so the primary unit of Christianity's growth in the Roman Empire was the home. Uh, the yeah. embryonic church is the home. And so there wasn't a church building until 280 AD. I've actually been, I've seen it. I've seen the first ever built 
building to be a church. They didn't have one for 280 years. And so maybe God is anointing the home again in a new way. And it might just be that as the church gets weaker, Christianity gets stronger because we don't have the buildings. And then final question then, Tim, in terms of like just personally, what are you learning? Because I know for me, these are moments where everything gets exposed, the good, the bad, the, the ugly, and yet trusting that God's present in some of the mess in my own life, redeeming, forming me into the likeness of Christ. Like, what are you learning in this moment? I'm learning that the internet doesn't make me happy. <laughs> and, and I don't think it ever has. But the, the extreme situation we're in where like, we rely on the internet as a tool, um, and I think, I think that's fine and that's necessary, uh, but it doesn't make me happy. It isn't a relationship. Um, it's, it's a sort of fake shadow version of all the actual good things. And so, you know, many people are in much more challenging situations that, than me, but um, with the limitations of life right now, I think I'm learning to enjoy what's in front of me in a new way. And actually the decisions have been taken away. And so what I have is, is, is what I'm enjoying. And I remember someone saying a while ago to me, contentment is wanting what you have. So what's in front of you, 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 you learn to appreciate and enjoy until it's what you want. And so I think there's something personally about um, contentment. And then the second thing would just be uh, just having to yield. Um, I had so many plans for this year, like I'm sure everyone else did, that are now not going to happen. And dreams and things that I was convinced were God's and that they were going to happen. And this is, this is the year where this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Like, they're probably not going to happen now. And I have a decision to trust my Heavenly Father or to yeah. look inwardly and, and see if I can manufacture my own dreams in a new way. And quite frankly, I can't. <laughs> but even if I yeah. could, I think it would be the wrong response. The right response is just to yield to, to our Heavenly Father as good in this season and trust him with what we can't see. So it's just come down to like a personal, so simple. All the simples from, for me are really kind of coming into line. But just doing what I can do and recognising there is so much that I can't, and trusting yeah. God with what I can't do. Yeah, amazing. Tim, you're an absolute legend. Thank you so much. So much food for thought, and hopefully we can chat again soon. God bless. Amazing. Good to see you.